0: generations of people that have sought God and and still as we sing that song there was a real kind of swell of noise of, of hallelujahs in this building um, so let's look at where we feel God wants to take us um, as a church over the next season of its life um, I don't know if you can get the that presentation back up Roy is that sorry to uh, get you to do all this stuff but it'd just be helpful to have a bit of a backdrop to this um, the next thing I want to talk about is is how the vision developed or, or what we want to begin to, to introduce you, to you today. Thanks, Roy. Okay. So how this vision developed as um, the new leadership team was formed um, and then how we came together and, and, and what's led us to this point this morning as we begin to share this vision. So um, I think you know that uh, back at in... February, the start of this year, we, we went away up to Regents College, um, took some time out on a Saturday, um, got together, and just really began to ask some questions of, of what what should this church look like? How, how should it feel? Um, Rick and Liz led us in that day, um, and we began to tease out some ideas of, of where we, we felt um, God wanted to take the church, what he was putting on our hearts, um, and we... we we ended up with some ideas that we then had to kind of mull over, chew through, and begin to develop a vision from. So, we got together again at um, John and Jill's house, and we had uh, had some food together and began to talk more about this this vision. It's, do you know it's really hard for um, this team to ever find time when we're, we're all available and there's childcare for everyone, and you know we've, we've all got busy jobs, but but we've been able to carve out some time to spend together. And those times have been really good times. They've been really kind of building up times um, and really useful in in spending time just concentrating on what God might be saying and how he wants to lead us forward in all the the kind of the business of the church, the busyness of it. uh, It's it's really useful to take those times out and see what God's saying and and how he's leading us forward. Um, And then during that whole process, the trustees also brought an idea to us um, and... We'll, we'll see more of what that was later on. but um, So they've been involved in this whole process too, and we've had to kind of be sharing things together as, as the two teams. Uh, it's important that, that both teams were aware of what was going on and, and where it might lead us and what the implications of it all might be. And as I say, they brought stuff to us as well um, that maybe on the leadership team we weren't even aware of. So, so it's, it's kind of been a shared thing in some ways. Um, and then we we ran part of this vision past the old leaders of the church. As I said, we we're so blessed to have these guys in the church. You know, I mean, As I went through that timeline, we've basically got most of the leaders of the church still here from the last 50 years. And so what a resource that is. And, and we'd, we'd have been foolish not to have taken advantage of that. So some of these things, we ran past the old leaders of the church, and said, hey, what do you think? You know, you've been here. You've seen, you've seen how God's worked in this church. What do you think about some of these ideas? And then, of course we had to wait on God and, and see what he said. And, and there's that, that time period, which is quite sort of frustrating in some ways. You want to be able to move forward. You want to just charge on with something. But it was important that we, we let those ideas settle and we let um, God kind of lead us in those. And, and did it still seem right six weeks later? Or, or was it just a flash in the pan that, that went away again? Um, and so there's, there's been some of that going on. So... What is the vision? In some ways, this is not going to be revolutionary stuff. You know, This is just, as I said earlier, this is a continuation of, of what God's been doing in His church for the last 126 years. Um, this is just, just a continuation of that. It's not revolutionary, but, but it's important, I think, that we just set it out for you how we've been thinking and how we feel God's been leading us. So some of you may have seen this before. It's, it's an image that, that Rick um, brought to our team early on in, in, um, when we formed in 2012 however that was um, and it's, it's a triangle obviously here we go and it's the up in and out triangle and it's, it's, there's no way of really simplifying how God works or how a church should work or anything else but this is, this is a helpful model to kind of think of some of the, the aspects of a church's life so you've got the up aspect that's worship to God looking up and our relationship with him. You've got the in aspect, that's the kind of taking care of each other, the pastoral care element of the church. And you've got the, the out aspect, that's the going out, the outreach, the, the taking the message further beyond the walls of the church. And what we, we believe as a leadership team is that we need to, to maintain a balance in these three areas. And I think most churches would probably say that, but, but it's harder to, to do than it is to say. Um, and that's where it's, it's really useful having a team ministry because we all carry different gifts, and some of us may be more, much more focused on this kind of outward-looking stuff, and others of us are focused more on the inward-looking stuff, and and hopefully we all have a bit of this in us. But um, you know, some people are really 100% dedicated, like monks. They just want to they want to spend all their time communing with God, which is great, you know, in in some respects, but. For a church, we need to carry those three things in tension, in balance, and that's where having a team is really useful, because everyone's saying, if one person says, this is what we should be doing, another person will say, yeah, well, well yeah, we, we should be doing that, but we also need to be looking at this, and, and this needs to be brought to the fore as well, and, and this is lacking, and, and maybe we should look at that. And so, it's, this, is, this is where we want to be as a church. We want to be a church that balances and holds intention these three different aspects of the church's life. Okay. You following me so far. So the vision really is, is, as as it stands at the moment, and this isn't, a, we're not giving you a baked cake here, which is another expression that's been brought up often in our leadership teams. I think it comes from Barney Coombs, the leader of Salt and Light. Um, we're not trying to give you a, a, a complete finished article here. We're, we're sharing where we feel God's leading us, and then we're going to be asking for your feedback on this as well. So one of the things is we want to grow, because if we're not growing, we're not reaching out. We're not touching the community, are we? Um, it's, it's not growth in itself is, is not the aim of the church, as such, but, but growth is, is going to be a natural reflection of us doing the right things in reaching out, isn't it? Of more people coming to faith. So that's, that's going to be part of our... Our out strategy, we want to see lives transformed we want to see people coming into contact with God and we want to be really intentional about that and so we'll be doing things like or we plan and we hope to do things like regular alpha courses and to have a defined discipleship program going on in the church to to make sure that we're reaching out and drawing people in and they're finding God, they're finding faith and they're being grown in that faith so we want to be A body of believers that builds each other up. We want to encourage each other in our walk of faith. We want to care for each other and inspire each other. That's part of our in-strategy. So here we're talking about things like small groups, um, in addition to the main Sunday service, something that's there for all different ages, the youth work, the kids' work, the the work for, for all different ages of people in the church. We're talking about things like away camps and weekends that will, will help to build up these connections between people. And we want to be thirdly, um, a people that grow in their relationship with God, people that are immersed in His word and engaged in daily worship. that's part of our up strategy. So and I mean a lot, there's a lot of crossover between these areas as you can appreciate, and, and a lot of the, the kind of the things that we might do will, will feed into more than, than one of these areas. But we want to see people really engaging with God and, and being discipled and then uh, as, a, as a fruit of that, emerging as leaders of the church who, who will then kind of go on and, and share that with other people and, and see more people engaged with God and growing in their relationship with him. So, in implementing the vision, there's kind of three key steps that we think are necessary for the next stage of the church's life. And this is Something that we're laying before you, and we're asking for your your feedback and for your prayers for it. So, number one, we think that um, it would be great for this church to be providing a community resource. So, a building where people can come uh, in this part of the village and be blessed with all sorts of different ministries uh, and social events, and things that will will gradually draw them into a relationship with God. That's that's the aim. That's what we hope. And so we've been talking about the Silver Street garage site, which is behind the church. Anyone know where that is? Do you you know that site? (coughs) Good. So just kind of, if you went straight out the back of the church and kept walking through the garden of that cottage, you'd end up on um, the Silver Street garage site. And this is something that the trustees brought to us they'd heard, Morris and Frieda had heard, um, that the guys that run that garage site were, were thinking of retiring, and there was an, there was an opportunity there for us to, to potentially get hold of that site, and so that's something that we've been looking into, and um, that's something that we're going to talk about in, in the coming weeks. We're not going to go into it too much today, but the idea is that, that that could become a real hub for this part of the community, for the, for the village really, where people can um, find all sorts of resources and different ministries and and things to really lead them, lead them on into hopefully a relationship with God. That's the aim. The second thing we, we really want to do is to introduce small groups as a way of helping people stay connected and feel part of things and grow in love for each other and the wider community and love for God. And so the idea would be to launch some small groups in September. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that over these three weeks and, and also have another Sunday towards the end of the summer where we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about small groups and how they'd work. And there's a there's a particular resource that we're thinking of using for, for that period in September that will kind of hopefully tie together uh, everything that's going on in the church in one sort of coherent um, message that will, that will feed into those small groups. And it will be a place where we hope people will begin to learn and to put into practice um, the teaching on loving God and loving others um, and loving the community, those those kind of three elements, those up-and-out and elements. And then the third thing that we believe um, is is going to be necessary in this next stage of the um, church's life is to release some resource in the form of a part-time church worker. We're not going to be able to manage all this stuff unless we, we've got um, some more time invested in the church. We're struggling as we are with busy jobs and um, young families and, and all the rest of it and if we don't release some of that resource we're really, we're really not going to be able to manage to do what we believe God is calling us to do so that is, is the third point in this and at this point I'm going to ask Rick to come up and share a little bit more about that
1: thanks Tom as uh, Tom has already said uh, anything that's healthy grows children children If they're healthy, will grow. Weather like this, your garden grows and grows. (laughs) Uh, Healthy businesses grow. Uh, We have a friend uh, in the church in Worcester who uh, a number of years ago decided he would start a new business as a driving instructor, rather like Caroline. And uh, he began with one person wanting to learn, and most of his week was waiting for somebody else. Now you have to queue to, to be taught to drive by him. That business is healthy and has grown. He's very good at it uh, and he has a decision to make because he's reached his capacity. He can't, he just physically doesn't have any more hours in his week for the business to grow any further. Will he train some Further driving instructors so that the business can continue to grow or will he settle for the capacity? That's the question he's facing. It's the question everything that grows ultimately faces, a capacity issue. Doers become trainers of others who then do. Trainees become the doers. That's actually what discipleship is that's what Jesus did he did it he showed others how to do it he trained them and then he said now you become doers and moved on that was his model and it still is how healthy things grow you are fortunate in this church in having had a whole succession of tremendously able and committed leadership in different generations, as Tom has already shown us. And the current crop are no different. They are immensely committed. They are also immensely stretched. And there's a capacity issue in our leadership here. How many of you can think back to those days when you went on holiday, you had roof racks on the top of your car, you put a tarpaulin over the top of that, and you held it all in place by, what are those things called? Those stretchy elastic things with cruel hooks at the end of them, which always managed to bite you when you were trying to release them. What what were they called? Bungee cords. Bungee cords, all right. We've got a whole bag full of bungee cords in the the garage, um, which suffered from overstretch. Have, Have you noticed how elastic has a has the capacity to, if it's overstretched, to lose its elasticity. And they are now, most of these in that bag, are completely useless because they've been overstretched for too long. That happens to people. That happens to folks in leadership roles. Overstretch leads to disability if it's not uh, paid attention to. Extension fatigue, I think, is what they call it. Um, in terms of elasticity. And I notice some symptoms of extension fatigue in this leadership team. Uh, they won't be surprised to hear me say this, but one of the first things that suffers uh, in that situation is communication. Things get overlooked. Things get dropped. I notice that action points at the end of Minutes tend to be carried over from one meeting to the next, and that's because they're just overextended, can't get to actually completing those actions. There's no fault in that, it's a symptom of extension fatigue. Long enough, and that elasticity, the bounce, the joy, the vibrancy begins to disappear. It's time to intervene when you see that happening, and so. Uh, The team has come to this point of wanting to suggest the release of a part-time resource that will enable that team, the better to implement the vision that God has given them. And uh, it's my job, really, just to try and identify a little bit more of that role description for you this morning, because then I'm going to ask you to consider some things. They see this as, first and foremost, a coordinating role. It's important that whoever takes this role has the capacity to see the big picture, to ask the question of every new idea, does it fit the vision? Or would it be a distraction? This is a coordinator's role, the ability to oversee and integrate the life of this community and bring that cohesion. It's an equipping role. We're not looking for someone who will do everything. Uh, That's quite impossible, uh, especially in a part-time capacity. It's much more about identifying the gifts in everybody else, encouraging them in those gifts and helping them to become the doers. It's an equipping, training kind of role. It's supporting those who are already in positions of responsibility, supporting those who are leading children and youth work, supporting those who are uh, leading the worship team, supporting those who are trustees, and so on, An equipping, supporting, encouraging role. And it's a developing role. They will have some responsibilities in developing programs and uh, plans to... uh, facilitate the discipleship process, to facilitate teaching programs and outreach programs. So a coordinating role, an equipping and developing role, and finally a connecting role. Such a person would have the opportunity, by having a little more time, to connect, to connect with the wider Salt and Light family, to to connect with the wider church family, Christian family in this village, other churches, to connect with other aspects of community life here, to be something of a connection between this community and the wider Colwell community. That's an important thing. Time for reflection, time for seeking the Lord in a focused way, time to plan programs and prepare programs and most important of all time to invest in other people we want to recommend Tom for that role you'll see now why I'm giving this and not he himself (laughs) Um, we feel that uh, that's the heart and mind of God, and Tom will speak for himself in a moment, put a bunch of people together uh, and give them a task to do, and sooner or later, their gifts and aptitudes begin to emerge. There will be those who, I mean, they'll all have ideas. There'll be those who are quick to speak and loud, and there'll be those who are slow to speak and perhaps diffident, but sooner or later someone will emerge to lead that team. It just happens naturally, and that someone will have the ability to see the gifts in everybody else and how they might best function as a team. If you put that bunch of people together and know leader emerges or everybody wants to be the leader all at once the task is what suffers. Uh, In the team as it's now constructed it's Tom who has emerged as having those aptitudes who like on our hand functions like the thumb working well with every other finger Each of those members of that team contribute something uniquely them-shaped. But someone needs to have not only their own shape but the capacity to help forge that group of people into a team. And over time, Tom has emerged as the person with that particular aptitude. It's not that he is senior to everybody else. It's a question of gift. Romans 12 talks about the gifts that God gives to different people. And the gift of leadership in that sense is something that has come his way. He, when he speaks, uh, which he doesn't do very often, I have to say, in those team meetings, he's someone who listens more than talks. But when he does open his mouth, he has the ability to capture what is common ground in the rest of the team and put it into words. And there's a weight to his words when they're spoken. He doesn't always um, initiate things and everybody brings their own contributions, but he has that capacity to pull it together. And good leaders encourage the reticent, sometimes rein in the impetuous, and work to bring teamwork together. So this is Tom uh, and we want to commend him for this role. He is crazy busy. He's crazy busy at work. He's got a crazy busy family. He's got a crazy busy wife. Uh, crazy, crazy. crazy busy, not crazy and busy. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe that too. <laughs> but uh, extension fatigue is a real, a real risk in these young families Uh, and we wish to spare them that and we wish to see the work of this church going forwards and not stalling there's tremendous impetus around uh, but it could easily stall so uh, that's what we have identified that's the recommendation we put into you but you'll want to know what tom thinks about that idea so this is his moment
0: Um, I don't really need my iPad for this because this is my story so um, I know this one off my heart um, because it happened to me which is great. Um, This this for me has been a long time coming um, and I suppose sometimes uh, when we read the Bible we look at the characters there and we draw strength from that because a lot of them took a long time getting to where they needed to be as well. So I I don't feel too bad about that in some ways um, but I feel like God first sort of put his hand on me and said, um, I want you to, to, to work for me when I was 17. And that, was, that would be back in the early 90s, about 1992, something like that. Um, and um, how it happened was that, that I had a real strong um, experience of God and of his Holy Spirit. And I was on a, I was on a real high for a, for a long time after that. And I was reading, reading the Bible one day. And I was reading one of the Psalms, and it says, it's one of the Psalms of David, it says, how I love to be in your house, how I long to be there, and uh, I want to I spend my whole time there. And I was like, what? Are you crazy? Who would want to spend all of their time in church? That would be an awful thing to do. And, um, you know, despite the fact God had, God had really blessed me and touched me, even so, I still thought church was probably quite boring and not the sort of place I'd want to be. Um, all the time, and uh, and God said, "But that's where I do want you. I do want you to come and work for me." And um, and I was like horrified at this, 17 years old, and planning to go to university and, and have this career ahead of me, uh, potentially. And I said to God, "No, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm going to go to university." And so um, off I went to university, and it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't a bad experience, but it wasn't the greatest experience either. I didn't like. It didn't excel at university by any means. And and when I came up to the end of that time, um, at the end of university, I felt like God saying, "Okay, you've been to university now. Now it's time for you to come and come and work for me." And and I said, "Oh no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I need I need to go and get a job now. You know, I, I want to go and earn some money." And um, and so off I went into the world of work. And and again, uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't. I haven't had a bad career, but it hasn't been. I haven't excelled either particularly as an engineer you know just done okay and that that's been all right and so um eventually you know I'm missing out heaps of the story here as you'll appreciate but I got to a point where um, I was doing youth work in a church in Essex and um, and I I gave this talk once and it was dreadful it was really dreadful everything I said was wrong basically and um, and I realized this afterwards and I think I based half of it on on a a Christmas carol rather than on the Bible and I was saying about how Jesus never cried when he was a baby and that was because of uh, no crying he makes (laughs) in that Christmas carol and it's not in the Bible at all Um, and so I thought to myself perhaps i ought to go and get some training and so um so i am um, i went to see this, this this old lady who'd been a mis- missionary in india for many years and um i said to her listen i've been thinking um maybe it's time that i went and got some theological training and um, i said would you, would you pray with me about that and so she, she did and she she said to me as well yeah i, I totally think that, that that's what god's calling you to and so again i started seeking god about this whole thing little bit wiser now not much but a little bit wiser and um and and i felt like god saying again yes i do want you to go and get some you know get some training come work for me and um and I, i want you to go to bible college and and then i felt him say this again i felt him say and this is the last time i'm going to ask if you don't do it now i'm not going to ask you again and and that was enough to put the fear into me to think I'd better respond now, because if I don't respond this time, I might really miss something that God's got for me. And so I looked around at a a few Bible colleges, and uh, I asked some people and said, which one do you think is a good one? Which is kind of broad? Which one would be respected in all sorts of different denominations? Because I've never really been tied to any kind of denomination. I was brought up in a Baptist church, and the church I happened to be going to then was was one of what's called Fellowship of Independent Evangelical Churches, which is quite a sort of conservative organization. But... um, Uh, anyway so everyone seemed to say in the end um, point me towards London Bible College um, now called London School of Theology but at the time it's called London Bible College these two are smiling because that's where they went and um, (laughs) oh no okay only Sylvia went there Sylvia went there Um, and so I, I applied I went down to see it and I'd I knew that, that a third of the students there were counselling students. And, and this is a true story. I'm telling you this. This isn't really part of, of the vision. But um, I went in and I was petrified on that day because I knew that all these guys were, like, were supposed to be trained counsellors. And I was petrified that as I was walking on the corridor that some councillor would come the other way and spot something in me, see in my eyes, some terrible thing, and, and call me out there and then. And I was, I was thinking, I, I don't deserve to be here, I shouldn't be here, they're going to find me out. Um, and then, you know, eventually when I did get accepted and I joined, I realised that the councillor's the most screwed up of anyone. And so... Yeah. You, know, you, you, you don't have to worry at all when it comes to councillors. Um, so... It was a good time at Bible College, and, and I met Sarah, and um, we, we learned a lot. We, our faith was totally deconstructed, basically, over, over three years. And um, at the end of it, I certainly didn't feel ready to, to kind of um, go into any kind of ministry, particularly. I felt like I needed a lot of putting back together. I had to, had to do a lot of thinking through of everything that had been deconstructed. Sarah went to work for Youth for Christ, and so it, it made sense for me to go back into engineering and, and to earn the money. Um, to support us as we got married Um, so that's what I did Um, and then gradually you know I wouldn't say the call went away it's just it was put to the back of my mind I guess about working for God and um, and a couple of times I I wondered about it and so one time I saw this job at a church in the south and I thought well let's just go and see so so we went down um, completely secret shoppers if you like we went and sat in this church they didn't know we were coming um, but we knew that they had a job advertised and and the guy got up and he said the theme of my uh, my sermon this morning is is about if you're in a workplace don't try and get out of the workplace serve God there and so I said okay all right I'll take that as, I'll take that as a, a kind of a sign from God that now isn't the right time and so I went back into the workplace and then, um, as some of you know, I got offered a job out in New Zealand. So we moved out to New Zealand and we, we lived there for two and a half years. And then when Miriam reached school age, we decided we'd come back to the UK and we came back. And um, that was a tough time because it was in the middle of the recession and um, I couldn't, couldn't get the work that I, um, I was anticipating being able to get. And so I thought, maybe this is the time that God's calling me to, to go into the church. It would make sense, you know, I've got nothing else. Uh, I can't get any job in engineering at the moment. And so there were two jobs I saw, and um, they were both for assistant pastors. One for one was for a church in Cambridge, and one was for a church in uh, Market Harbour in Leicestershire. And um, and I applied for both of these jobs, and and each time, and they were they were slightly staggered, so it wasn't like they were running concurrently. They were staggered, and so um, each time, the churches invited me to come, and, and they got really excited, and they were saying, "Well, we've had hundreds and hundreds of applicants, and yours really stood out." and each time they took me down to the last three in one case and the last two in the other case and um and i had gone through this whole long process with each of these churches and then got to this final interview in both cases and um and at the end of these interviews they they basically said uh, you haven't got enough church experience and and um i was a bit confused by all this obviously so saying but you knew who I was, I, I haven't hidden anything, I sent you my CV, I told you I'm a civil engineer and, and this is my background and all the rest of it, and now you're telling me, having taken me through the whole process, I don't have enough church experience, and so that was the end of that, and I thought, okay, that's it, I've, I've discharged my call, I, I don't need to worry about that anymore, um, and so I just carried on, We, we I got a job down here, um, we moved down into the village, we started coming to this church, eventually, that's an, there's another bit of, the, of that story, but... We ended up here and then um, uh, Rob and Sylvia came around to see us and said what's your background and we told them that we had been to Bible College and all this kind of thing and then eventually Rick came came around to see us and he said how would you guys feel about being part of a new leadership team and um, and do you know what it, it
1: wasn't
0: it wasn't a struggle to say yes at that point it was just it felt natural it felt it felt yeah okay I would never have sought it again. I would never have applied for another job in a church. But but Rick coming around and sitting in our living room and saying, do you want to be part of a leadership team? just felt like the right thing to do. It didn't feel like a big challenge. It was just like, yeah, okay, if you need some help, we'd, we'd gladly do that. And so that's how we came to end up being on this leadership team. And, um, and then as, as time's gone forward and we've seen the church kind of grow to the point where we had people queuing out the front door and all, and all the rest of it, um, and we've got stretched as a little team and and such like we began to think again about um you know is is there a need to have s- some more resource in the church in terms of time and we went away to the the leaders conference sort of like leaders conference in january and and it was in one of the worship sessions one morning and I, and I again I felt god saying to me come and work for me come and work for me and um and so I spoke to Rick about it, and we, we had a conversation, and he was, he was beginning to say, yeah, I think this is the right time that we begin to think about releasing some resource in the church. And, um, and it took me back to this, this point um, a couple of years earlier when we'd gone to the Leaders' Conference, when, when we'd gone up to the front as a, as a little team, Tim, Claire, and um, Sarah and myself, and um, a guy had given a prophecy to all, all, all of us uh, uh, in, individually and the prophecy that he'd given to me was that um, I would have to stand up. Uh, it, his, his image was this. He said, it's like you're, you're at a swimming pool where there's a really high set of diving boards. You know, often you get like a low springy one and then a slightly higher springy one and then some platforms going up. He said, your job, he said, is to go right to the highest platform and stand up there and be visible in front of everyone. And that's not me. I'm, I'm not like that. I don't, um, you know. Uh, I know I do a lot of standing up here and, and such like, but but it really isn't me. And if you'd if you'd known me ten years ago, I would never have stood up in front of a church and said anything. And if I did stand up in front of a church I'd have been I'd have been going like that, literally. <laughs> and um but he said, no, that that's what that's what he felt God was saying, that I've got to go and stand and be visible on top of that that diving board. And that's where his his kind of prophecy stopped. He didn't say whether I was going to do a spectacular like triple somersault and go into the pool or yeah, or I was just going to trip over and land on my back and then drown at the bottom of the pool. You didn't see which, which was going to happen but the point is he said step up, that's the point. And so I've carried that, I haven't done anything with it particularly but, but like some, sometimes when God speaks or someone says I've got a word for you, you carry it and you carry it until the right time for that word to come to fruition. And, that's, and it felt like the right time now that God was saying, "Step up. Now is the time. Step up. You know, you've got to be visible. You may not want to be. You may. You don't know how it's going to go. You might be doing a massive belly flop. But the time is to step up, regardless of, of that, and be seen and be visible. And so that is the story of how I come to stand here today.
1: So this is the last bit. It's where the rubber meets the road. You've uh, heard that. The team and the trustees want to commend Tom for this role. And you've heard something of his personal journey and the place of faith that he and Sarah have reached uh, in saying yes to having his name put forwards. But this is where you come in. Because none of this can happen unless you, as the body of Christ in this place, also sense that this is the the will and mind of God for now and you are ultimately the people who will make this decision I want to suggest there are three things for you to consider number one whether you feel able to affirm this proposal Over the next two weeks, three Sundays, uh, there is this series looking at vision. And I would ask each of you, during that two week time, to report back to one or other of the leadership team or trustees, other than Tom and Sarah, um, on your sense of the mind of God in this we're looking for affirmation from the church or and equally important we would be looking for a sense of reservation you understand um, clearly we are bringing something with a recommendation in it but If this is the mind of God, then the spirit of God within each of you will say amen to that. And all I'm asking is that you be willing to pick up the phone or jot a note or grab someone by the lapel over coffee and say, you know what, for me and my house, we're with you in this. And it's just as important that you feel the freedom to say, I'm concerned lest, or the idea is a good one, but I'm not sure that this is for Tom at this time. In every marriage, the person officiating will say, if you know just cause or impediment, so now this isn't a marriage, but there must be a basis of trust and confidence for this to work. And so there is a moment for you to say, Thank you, but not so sure. That's important, and you needn't feel diffident about coming forwards with that. So to affirm or otherwise is the first responsibility I'm asking you to take. Have we got this right? Assuming for a moment that the answer is affirmative, then the next thing that is your responsibility is to enable that release. Uh, What we have in mind is a part-time role. Ideally, we would like this to be the best of Tom's week. We would like three days of his week, so that anything else that he also has to do to supplement his income is, as it were, of secondary importance. We want the best of his energies, the best of his focus, the best of his time, greedily, (laughs) as it were. for the work of the kingdom in this place. Uh, The scriptures are clear that the the laborer is worthy of his hire. And we do not subscribe to that school of thought that says that uh, people working for churches should be kept as poor as possible so that they do what everybody else wants without hesitation. Those days, happily, are long gone. And we do want to honor him, we recognize that Uh, His wife is a student at the moment, he has two children, he has a mortgage, he needs to live, he needs a living wage. And if he is to be an employee of Kokachu, then as an employer we will face, on top of whatever salary he's given. Uh, for those three days, we will face the need to pay national insurance, a pension contribution uh, and a host of other expenses and continuing uh, training development and so on. We would need to be thinking in round terms of a total sum of something in the order of 30,000 pounds to release this aspect of vision. Not all of that would go directly to him but for everything else as well in round terms those are the sort of figures we're looking at if we're to be able to do this there is going to have to be an increase in the giving to the Lord's work in this place and so my second challenge to you would be this over the next quarter I wonder can we see that trend in our giving I would encourage you personally, individually, to go back to the Lord and say, how can I participate in the release of this aspect of vision? What can I do? What can we as a family do? Can you take time to review your giving before the Lord? Nobody's going to come around tapping on your shoulder. Nobody's going to be twisting arms. We're looking for faith to rise in your hearts to this proposal that will express itself, firstly in an affirmation of the idea, secondly in an increase in the giving and we shall look to see what's happening in that giving over the next quarter as it were. If this is to go ahead, Tom will have to work his notice, there will inevitably be A period of time that must pass before he could be in in post Uh, and in that time we would love to see that sort of evidence of faith and vision reflected in the giving so that's the second thing the first thing affirmation the second thing is about release and finally and perhaps most important of all is to pray I want to urge you to pray to pray for faith in this community to rise, to pay, pray for Tom and Sarah and their family in the midst of this. This is a huge step of faith for them. Uh, the sort of levels of support that the church could offer won't go anywhere near to meeting their needs financially. So there's a massive challenge for them to faith in all of this and to believing that God will continue to provide their eyes i have to say are not on kokachu as their provider rightfully their eyes will be on the lord they're working for him you understand and you know all our encouragement to them will be to look to god if this is his call then he will provide for you and we similarly similarly need to look to the lord so will you please pray will you Seek to encourage that faith in one another. Will you share faith with each other? Will you stir each other up to faith? Not to doubt, not to fear, but to faith. You understand. And you will find in a strange sort of way that what you give to, you have faith for. A lot of people think of it the other way around only, that if I've got faith for something, I'll contribute towards it. Do you know what? You want to grow faith in your heart? Put some money to it. Faith will grow. It works that way around as well. So let me encourage you uh, to respond with affirmation over these next two weeks. Please, it would be lovely to hear from everybody during that time. To go back to God and say, is there something we can do to help towards the release of this vision in terms of our giving? And most importantly, please be praying. Please be building one another up in faith. And let's expect, I, I, I found that enormously inspiring what Tom relayed earlier on about the, the history of this church, the generations of leadership. I do find it hugely encouraging that sitting here today are those who for 50 years in some cases, have been at the helm here. I look around, I see heroes of the faith. I know that Tom stands here and he's already mentioned some. Uh, There are others who've served overseas and who have come here uh, in the evening, as it were, of their ministry, but who are tremendously supportive and encouraging in faith and in prayerfulness. It's a privilege to be but the latest iteration of that Intergenerational story of God's work and ministry in this place. Uh, I find that hugely encouraging. So let's be ready to release the latest in a line. Amen. Amen. Tom, so we're going to finish up.
0: Great. It is. It is honestly. Um, I know. Um, people get up sometimes at the Oscars or wherever else and they, they say that they feel humbled and honoured and all those sort of things and you take it with a little bit of a pinch of salt but it is genuinely humbling to, to feel that you're part of this ongoing story um, and and I love this church I love uh, you know the people that are here and, and what they've invested in this place and um, the love and the feeling that there, there is here uh, it's it's a it's a really special place in many ways. You know, there aren't there aren't many churches that I've ever been to that feel um, like this one does, and that have its its own unique characteristics and history. I think it's a really special place, and where lots of little chapels like this have shut down, you know, even within the village, the Methodist Church up at Colwall Green shut down, and the Witch Church is, is struggling up on the hill. This one has, has continued, you know, to serve God faithfully in this village, and that's that's a, it's a really special thing. You know, God's got his hand on this little place, and that's, it's a privilege to be part of it. So, we've given you the bones of a vision this morning, um, and it's a vision that, that we believe God has laid on our hearts. You know, this hasn't come from us, um, although it's come through us. It's, it's something that we believe God is, is speaking about in this generation of the church. And, and if it is genuinely from God, and as Rick says, we want to know your thoughts on this, um, then he'll help us accomplish it. And so we don't have to worry about that. I've loved looking at Joshua over the last little while because you know what I was saying in the, in the close of that series about how maybe maybe we can read that Joshua was actually quite a timid bloke and that he had to keep hearing, do not be afraid. When you go back into, into Deuteronomy as well, when Joshua crops up there, every single time he crops up, he's being told, do not be afraid. And it, it gives you the impression that, that this guy was someone that needed to, to be told all the time, don't be afraid. And and sometimes I feel like that as well. But but if if this is genuinely God's heart for this church, then we don't have to be afraid because He'll He'll make sure it happens. Okay. So we want your feedback. Um, there is going to be a, a kind of a more. F- uh, uh, well, not a formal time, but we are going to have a barbecue at um, Robin Silby's on the 17th of July. And that'll be a time when we can we can kind of anything else that needs to be said or hasn't been said or needs mopping up. That can be that can be done. There. And if you if you haven't felt able to say it publicly to that point, come on in, kids. You've you've timed it absolutely perfectly. Come on in. Come on in. So what we're going to do is we'll hear what the kids have been up to and then, because we heard a lot of talking this morning, we'll have one last song to close with, if that's all right, Pete, and then we're free to go and go at the back and, and get your teas and coffees and whatnot.